Welcome in, everybody. This is Mike Club, and today I'm excited to have back with me co-hosting a Sweet Fish producer, Walt. How you doing, man? Welcome in. I'm doing good. Thanks for having me back. Glad I didn't scare you the last time. <laughs> here. here we are, and uh, thrilled to get to chat with you about some podcasting news, and we'll do a member highlight, and uh, we'll finish up today with a, a question from our Mike Club community. But before we go there, I wanted to ask... Like, what's a podcast episode that you've listened to, let's say in the last week or two weeks that you heard and you're like, man, that's a good episode. This is a good show. I want to highlight a couple. So what what sticks out to you, Walt? Yes, I'm glad you asked this question, too, because I don't get to talk about this show enough. <laughs> um, the show's called Truth Be Told. Mm. Uh, it's by Tonya Mosley. Um, really great show. And this particular episode is called The Source. And it was basically about uh, Black Americans and food deserts. And it's a topic that's probably not talked about enough, but just from like a podcast production perspective. Like, well, the episode was great, but from the production perspective, it's just so well done it tied in the host's own narrative she brought in a few different guests who told the story of uh her and her child like serving mcdonald's at a birthday party and no one was here for it and really like the history of mcdonald's presence in america the investment in the black community and it just tied in a lot of different elements interviewing research journalism the music was uh, beautifully added in in a way that wasn't distracting, but added to the whole story. It was like a true story all wrapped up in one episode. And it was just like, well done. I want to go shake the hand of the production team. So I was like, yes, did it. <laughs> well, now I got to check it out. You really sold the production of the episode. Did you say food deserts? Yeah, food deserts. So Define that's that basically... Me. Yes. Um, y'all do not quote me because I'm not I'm not an expert in it, but essentially food deserts, um, th- think about desert, right? There's nothing there. When it comes to food deserts, it's essentially the same thing. Like a lot of times in um, certain communities, lower income communities, a lot of black communities, um, there'll be a lot of restaurants. There's always something to eat, but the quality of food that's there. Yeah. It's like the grocery store situation, great. right? Like I, I know exactly. a lot of like Dollar Trees, and like dollar stores are in a lot of rural communities. And a big part of that is like grocery stores don't want to invest getting fresh produce to those communities. So then you see like canned goods and uh, like that's, that's why Dollar Tree has that aisle of like food. So you could sort of grocery shop in a dollar store, but it's not healthy food. It's not good food. And dollar stores just eat up these communities um yes it's interesting man yeah. i never heard of it it's great for uh great for balloons not great for groceries yes. you know you'll see a fancy popeyes being entered like being built brand new and everything but you won't see like a uh, like a Publix or a sprouts or a whole foods right uh, the restaurants there just all across the board quality of food access to it doesn't exist Learning about food deserts on Mike Club today. Didn't think you were going to come here for that, but that's, that's super interesting. I'll, we'll definitely link to that show in the show notes. So if people want to check it out and see what high quality producing looks like, uh, sounds fantastic. I haven't heard it yet, but I'll, I'll give it a listen. I'm going to highlight a show that's on the completely other end of the spectrum. It's super well known. It's it. not really that highly produced, 
but it shows that you can win in podcasting in multiple ways. So I want to talk about Tim Ferriss for a second. And specifically, because yesterday I was re-listening. I like, I got 30, 40 minutes in and I was like, oh my gosh, this is so good. I need to re-listen to the first 30, 40 minutes again. So he's interviewing this guy, Will McCaskill, uh, who Will is famous for effective altruism and this idea of like, how can we do the most possible good? And he's very like data and stats and he keeps track of like the good he does in the world and how he does it. And they talk about this. They talk about long-termism, this way of thinking of like, what are we doing in our lifetime that will positively impact generations from now? And is there any way that we could get more people to think like that? Or are we just doomed to think about our lifetime and our little pocket of the world and what's most comfortable for us. And like, how could you get buy-in from more people to think long-term? And it's just a super fascinating discussion. It's really like, I, I love the idea of living from core values, from having a, a life that impacts others positively. And their, their breakdown of it is much more science than art and much more action rather than just constantly like thinking about all the good you could do. And I really appreciated it. I love a good interviewer. I love someone that can ask deep questions and can hold their space well. And Tim is obviously a a fantastic interviewer. That's why his show has blown up, but also like his audio recording quality, man, it's like not good. (laughs) Like there's an echo in the room. It's not like the, the production, he reads ads for like the first five minutes of his show. Like it's Mm. not, but, but because he's found his niche and what he's curious about, you can win if you're in your zone of genius. And so I love that you highlighted like a highly produced show and clearly that team is in their zone of genius and doing podcasting the way that they can do it like to the best of their ability. And I think he's obviously found his sweet spot as well on the other end of the spectrum. And I just like highlighting how different people win in different ways. Uh, so I'll link to that episode as well. You should have no trouble finding the Tim Ferriss show though. <laughs> I can't wait to check that out. Familiar with Tim Ferriss and I'm realizing I've actually never listened to an episode. So that episode sounds super interesting. So we're putting each other on today. Like it. Yeah. Skip like the first five minutes. He does have the best, <laughs> All right. in my opinion, like some of the best ad reads because he won't promote things that he doesn't actually like use or enjoy. Like he's has to be very bought into the sponsors. So if you ever want to learn something about how, to do sponsorships effectively. I think Tim is a, a good person to check out. It's just that it's, it's way too much in my opinion. So, mm. all right, let's, uh, let's get to the news here and uh, we're going to highlight three stories. And it was funny because Walt and I were talking about before, before recording, we were talking about like the power of video and how it's, it's just very necessary now in podcasting to be thinking about, how video can enhance your show or how you can be on YouTube and these different platforms. Uh, We're recording this on Riverside right now. And there's video here as well as audio recording. Like a lot of the podcast recorders are know the importance of video. And so two of our three stories today end up being about video. And here's the first one. So remote recording tool Riverside, literally what we're recording in right now has launched a number of updates, but the one that I thought was pretty cool is that now you can set up your iPhone as a second camera. And uh, because your iPhone can record in 4K, you can 
just put it on a little tripod on your desk, get a second angle. And instead of needing some sort of fancy switcher, it's just going to record both and it's all going to be saved right within in the Riverside app. And when you export, you just export it as a second camera. It's taking the audio from your mic only. So it doesn't even record audio on your iPhone. It's just golden. It's all set and it's ready for you. And it would make, if you edit video into script or you, you know, send it to a third party, it's all going to be timestamped the same. So it's super convenient. And uh, I'm actually going to be working on my studio setup uh, today to try to, to figure out how I want to do this because I think like second camera sounds so complicated, but they're making it easy, man. What did you think about this, uh, this update? Oh man, this, when I saw this, I was like, Oh, you, you, you're for real. What you're, you're doing this for everyone, man. This like update is really, really important. Like when I, um, when I speak to people who are wanting to just start their podcast, whether it's a business or an individual group of friends, I always ask them like, what's your budget? And no one ever thinks about the budget at first. And I ask because podcasting can be an extremely expensive pursuit. Um, to be able to switch cameras before this update, you would definitely need at least like two different tools and both of them cost some monies. Um, <laughs> so adding this feature in, it just makes it more accessible, just a, another level of production more accessible. Um, like one of my favorite quotes ever is from Arthur Ashe is basically like, do what you can, use what you have and start where you are. Um, and this just makes it so that you could actually just start. So now with to get that second angle to add this whole new element to make sure your show is dynamic, your video is dynamic, it's not stale, it's not just one shot. Now all you literally need is a webcam that you could get for under $100 and use the phone that you already have. So I love this feature. I think there's, well, what I'm going to try, I don't know if this works yet, so you can't quote me on it. But I'm going to try <laughs> recording my second camera in like a portrait, like TikTok, you know, ready mode. So if it will, if it'll take like that, which I mean, even if it's, you know, if I have to rotate the clip, that's fine. But having that as a setup so I can crop my, I have my Canon M50, I can crop that shot if I want. And it'd be like a close up on a, on a TikTok or a YouTube shorts. But then for my iPhone setup to have it like right to the, to the left of my computer and just, it's already in portrait. It's already ready for it. And the whole conversation, you can see my mic, you can see maybe part of my computer and, and then you can see my face. Like it's already ready to go. There's something there that you can, you just get, get more creative. I, I love the ability mm. to get more creative when you have more than one camera and most people with more than one camera, you're in just like a, a more complex studio, but now your iPhone's all you need. Yeah. And it's actually, I think it would probably like elevate how people just view you. Right. Cause like, I don't know if you've noticed, but like those, there's a lot of videos like where people are like sharing like how to do something and they get super high level and they talk Well, they do it like, you know, in the camera, but every now and then you'll see a video where it's off to the side, you're just getting that side look. And so it's almost like, Oh, what am I seeing? I'm like <laughs> peeping into some behind the scenes stuff. Yeah. Riverside's making it look like you got a lot going on, even though you might just be like <laughs> business on top party on the bottom. Like this yes. is a, uh, this is definitely a great way to raise your, uh, raise your, I don't know what you call it, but just level up on social. Yep. I will say if you guys want to see a cool micro video cut, go look up the Rick roll podcast. And 
he's doing these these edits where he has like a super wide shot video and they he always interviews his guests in person at like a really long table and they each sit on one side and he wants the video to look really crisp so it's all a black background it's a wood desk they always have like matching glasses of water and it's so he's already got like his aesthetic built in but then you typically right? Like when you think of a micro clip of video, it's just like a person talking into a camera and they have those tight angles on both him and his guest, but they have this wide shot that shows the whole table and each guest on the sides. And they cut that video and they put that at the top of their YouTube shorts or TikTok. So you can see the whole table and the two of them talking. And then whoever's talking gets the majority of the screen, like 80%, where it's like actually still the close-up that we're typically used to. And they have both overlaid mm. on top of each other. It is so smart. It is such a cool angle and yeah. a cool shot. And I love watching people get creative with it. Oh man, that that's really what it's all about, right? People are like, "Oh, how should I do? How should I do that?" Well, like as you can see, this feature is like a new Riverside feature. It's like what the like the way to do something is still being created. Yes. So like, just continue to just push the boundaries because that way it may be trash. It may be like never do that again, or it could be the future of how other people model their content. So I'm definitely gonna check that out because I'm gonna see what I can do with it. Awesome. Okay, the second podcast story but it's it's a video thing again is from youtube youtube added a new option to cut long form videos into shorts so this just gets right back at to what i feel like I've been, we've been preaching sermons on this on this podcast i've been talking we've been talking about on bb growth we're really doubling down on video and it's going to get easier and easier for those that are creating video content because that's what YouTube Shorts wants. That's what TikTok wants. That's what Instagram Reels, it's all about. And so this is, I think, brilliant for YouTube. Because what sets YouTube apart from TikTok? YouTube has long-form video content. So what if you uploaded your long-form video content and could instantly cut it and or it would cut it for you, put it into reels. And then now you're discoverable in, or they're, I guess they're called shorts, but like in their YouTube shorts algorithms. So if you have a podcast, the best clips of that automatically are now digestible in short form. And YouTube has built it in to where that that YouTube short clip, if they click on the description, they go right to the long form content. So if they like your clip enough, they can just go watch the full episode absolutely brilliant on their part definitely needs to be part of your podcast strategy and i'll say we're guilty b2b growth we're just now figuring out how do we use long form video content we've only been doing micro videos and it's just this is what a convenient way to get in the game man right mm-hmm. take like probably reduces production time by like 80 percent. this feature like you if you're if you're in this podcasting game you probably already had to know or have a good idea of where the clips can be so like if you're doing this you upload it and you literally just pick the timestamps. maybe add a little caption and youtube takes care of everything else like this is amazing like um the thing that people don't 
Well, the biggest thing about like TikTok Reels, YouTube Shorts is like the discoverability. That's the best feature of it. These short form videos are being pushed, literally shoved in the faces of other people like YouTube, TikTok, Instagram. They work really hard to make sure people are seeing new stuff every day as far as these real stuff and the ability to link it back to the longer form video that takes care of any call to action, any how do I find the show. It's literally a click of a button. So this feature, if you're not using it now, don't worry, you could get started today. It's there for everyone. The thing I'm interested on this one is I wonder how, like, you know, most micro videos that get traction have captions, like live captions and like cool, some sort of upscaling on the editing front. So you do need to be thinking through that. I would be like, I would be testing how does a micro video work when it's just pulled straight in this new format versus the typical editing, adding maybe some music, adding some pop-up captions as you go. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how those features start like playing together in the long run. And I'm sure there'll be updates to this that'll continue to make it better. But that is one one area that I'm sure they'll have to, to continue to iterate on. Uh, that'll be the biggest challenge. Third story here. And this is going to take us over to LinkedIn, but I know a lot of us are thinking about, okay, we've created this podcast content and, you know, for us in the B2B podcasting space, we're trying to repurpose that content on LinkedIn. And I found an article this week that was talking about what to post on LinkedIn, five content types that work best. And so I'm going to list off the five wall and I'll just have you pick one that sticks out to you and and we can kind of discuss here. But the five that they suggest, the five content types would be blog posts, third party content, native video, text only, and photography and illustrations. When you hear those five, does, does one of them seem to jump out at you? Yes, actually. And it's text. Um, text is king on LinkedIn, but I think the what everyone really needs to do is focus on having like a hybrid of it all. It shouldn't just be one thing. Um, to really grow on LinkedIn, it's not just about finding the template, sticking to it. It's about really bringing some value. And after a while, a text post over and over and over again, even though I chose text, a text post over and over again, it'll work. But to truly stand out, you want to have a mixture of all of the above. But the real reason why I chose text, even though text is king, text posts, they still work incredibly well. is because um, a video post, a native video post that you post with a simple caption, it'll work. But when you combine it with a lengthy text caption, it's going to do even more. Um, Right now, video is growing on all platforms. LinkedIn, it's doesn't, LinkedIn's video doesn't have the same effect as like a TikTok video, but um, it's, it's, it's rising, it's growing more important. And when you do pair like a super strong text post with video, it gives people an option to watch the video, listen to the video, or just read the post. So having that combination of the two, I would actually create like a text video baby. And like, that's the thing you need to bring out into the world. Um, that, that should be the main goal, but switching up the types of content. Um, when I was in the LinkedIn creator accelerator program, they advised to, um, create different types of posts throughout the week, just as long as one of them is video. And that just shows us how important video is and will continue to be. So yeah, that's, that's my recommendation. Text, 
video, but just make sure there's a strong text post to go with it. I like the variety and I like that you spoke to that because I think when you're thinking of content types, just as it's the same thing, like you don't want to eat the same dinner seven nights in a row, right? Like it just gets boring. People don't want to consume your content in the same format every time. And if you're trying also to have people understand more of who you are and your personality on a platform, then you need to give them variety in how they interact with you. And so that's one of the quickest ways to do that is just to switch up the type of posts or combo some of these. And uh, I think it's interesting for podcasters specifically because a lot of times we think, okay, if we have a video, then we'll just cut it into micro clips and that'll be our content on LinkedIn. And that's a starting place. Absolutely. There's some people that aren't even there yet. Totally fine. Good time to get in the water, get in the game. But if you're there and you're going, how else should I be repurposing content? You can go back and listen to any of your episodes at any time. And you can find a concept that you guys talked about. And you can post a quote from that show. You can post the biggest points. And you don't even have to link back to the podcast. You just got a text post from an old episode. And that can live on as a piece of content. The other thing is, you have blogs on your website and those blogs are great. They even tell you like a blog post is something that's great to post, but where many B2B companies make mistakes is they post their blog on LinkedIn and think people are going to read it. And it's just a link. And I even think it's a mistake. Maybe what you're saying, Walt, like I, I think I tend to agree more with what you said. Like if you did a long form, really thought out, piece of written content and then link, linked to a blog, maybe it would work. But because the blog is more reading, I actually think it's more effective to just not make people click through to the blog. Like just make a long text post on LinkedIn that adds value and doesn't link off the platform. You have tons of blogs that you could do that with. You, you don't even have to post the whole thing. Just post the most valuable content from each of those blogs. And you probably got months worth of content right there. When you start to see how easily you can repurpose things. Oh, we have this blog post that can now become a podcast if we just change it up slightly. And now we can infuse our POV in a different way. And people can hear our voices or see us on video. Like there's so many ways to do this. And then I really liked, honestly, that they threw in photography and illustrations. That's like not something you see that much of, but if you have that talent, there are a few people I see on LinkedIn that really win in that category because they can do just even like simple drawings and people love it on, on the platform. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why Instagram worked. People love looking at pictures, seeing what's going on in your life outside of work even. When you do that, it's it's going to succeed as a business, capturing what's going on in the workplace, an event you were at, um, special project. There's a lot of things that can be captured in an image and tell a really beautiful story. And um, there's one other thing that I don't think was on that list, but it's it's very underrated. Let's hear it. And it'll have a lot of potential, and that's going live on LinkedIn. Uh, LinkedIn has live streams, which you need a third-party tool to do, but very effective. And then live audio. 
If you've heard of Clubhouse, Twitter Spaces, you've probably heard of all the horror stories, and all of that is true on those platforms. <laughs> but LinkedIn Live Audio, it's it's really special, and I've used it a lot. That's the thing I've done the most consistently. It's a great way to build relationships with people who you just connected with, but haven't really got the chance to schedule that call. Way too busy, or to meet new people. I've met some really incredible people through doing LinkedIn audio, and it's still such a new thing that you can actually create your own space on the platform. So um, LinkedIn audio, live streaming, super underrated. It is effective. Takes skill, takes talent, takes time to figure out, but highly recommend looking into it. All right, let's go to our member highlight here. And today I want to talk about growth marketing camp. Rex used to be on our team. Before he was on our team, he actually hosted Growth Marketing Camp for a time. Uh, It's it's a show produced by OpenSense. And I love the branding around Growth Marketing Camp. I think it's really fun. Very like it's camp vibes. Got a little campfire on their art and they do a great job with their their micro clips and the way that they promote the show. But uh, Here's what they say about about the podcast. This is their description. We're lighting up the campfire and swapping stories on everything involved in building a brand, scaling a startup, launching new products, and un and unembellished career talk from the brand builders that we admire most. I love all of what they're highlighting there. It's a fun way to still talk topics with experts but bring it in in a little bit of a fresh uh, perspective. And, and they do that in, in several ways. So uh, I, I think the number one reason I picked this as our member highlight today is because of their branding. And I think a lot of B2B podcasts are still lacking in their art and in their creative. Like they're proud that they now have a show and they think that that's creative, but there's so much more that goes around a podcast that makes it truly uh, I don't know, stand out, I guess, in my mind. And so specifically, if you want to learn some things around branding, I would, I would take a look at, at growth marketing camp and, uh, we, we want to shout you guys out because you guys are doing excellent work and bonus because you've been doing it for a long time. This is not a podcast that is like a flash in the pan. You know, we're not congratulating you on your first five episodes. Like you, you've been, <laughs> you've been in the game for a bit. So, uh, growth marketing camp, we, we recommend going and checking them out. All right, well, let's wrap up this episode with a question from our LinkedIn Mike club community. And here's the question for today. And I'll pose it at you first. You take it where you want. How detailed should my show outline be before we actually hit record. This is going to be different for everybody. Um, I I have some structure to my shows, but I like to keep it very organic. I tell every guest, like, here's the intended structure, but I'm ready to throw it all out the window as soon as we hit record. And the reason I do that is because I like to just go deeper into something that a guest mentioned, bring and just just flow naturally and have a really great conversation. But that's something I'm personally good at. And even though I have a very just like fluid, organic conversation um, approach to it, I'm actually very detailed with my uh, show notes, my prep doc. I have links to resources, stats ready to go. And it's because um, if I have as much, like if, if I'm very structured, then I can just be free and flow. So when I do my prep, 
I like to look up the guests, everything about them. I like to truly study them, what shows they've been on before, anything they mentioned on a previous episode that they didn't go deep enough in, but I have some more questions on, or even just like some topics that I actually want to talk about with them and just making sure that I'm just as knowledgeable as they are. I learned that from a show called Earn Your Leisure. Every episode, they're learning something new from their guests, but they make sure they're familiar with that topic as well. So um, I had used Notion and I like it because I could break things up in sections, drag and drop. I could have check boxes next to topics so I could quickly check off everything. I, I do all my podcasts by myself, so I have to make sure it's very easy for me to make edits and changes on the go. That's not an ad, but it should be. <laughs> um, yeah, so I like to be super structured, very organized. But when it comes down to recording, I just have this as a backup safety net or a guide. I think I would say I'm I'm fairly similar to you in that. Do you find that you're you edit the way that you write out notes for shows like over time or do you feel like you're pretty locked in now you have got your structure you feel comfortable in it? That's a good question. I like to um I think because podcasting is so new. Well, here's actually a better example. I have some shows I recorded in end of 2020. I didn't get to release them because of burnout capacity. And then also just like, oh, I got to save this for later. I'm going back to them now and I'm like, ooh, I, 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 I'm a different type of host now. I want to have a different type of episode. And so when I think about that, um, when I record episodes, I like to, before even pressing record, I like to envision what I want the episode to sound like at the end. But when it comes to editing, I'm very comfortable with trying something new. So as far as like systems, I, I pr- feel pretty confident on the approach, but I'm always looking to try a new style, add a new segment, just continue to test the waters. Yeah. For me, I, uh, I love writing out kind of almost word for word what I'd like to say specifically in segments of the podcast where it can get repetitive. Uh, so I start to think of what's a different way we could say this and how could I communicate it, still be personal and still be authentic, but say it in a in a different way? And I won't be able to do that quite the same on the fly as if I wrote out a new way of saying it verbatim. So I just like put that in my notes. And then I notice with questions, uh, I'll do that too. Like what's a different way than I would typically word this? And like, let's see if I could throw in a question like that. Uh, but then I'm very much open at all times to rabbit trails with guests specifically. Like if I'm interviewing someone and they say something fascinating, I don't want to be so caught in my notes that I can't go where they're going. And then also if we're guides as podcast hosts, then I'll lead us back out and back to, you know, where we ultimately want to end up, but let's go explore that trail a little bit because that might end up being, you know, the best part of the episode. So there's a a good push and pull there as a host that you get to, to walk on your own. And I think there's benefits to all different types of notes. I've actually gone into some episodes just to try it. Like I'll tell you, I'm, I've been working on a side project and the whole premise of this side project is basically just using like four quotes from an author. And so Mm -hmm. for that episode, I didn't write out any specific questions. I only highlighted parts of the quotes that I wanted to follow up and talk to the person about. And so it puts me in a different frame of mind conversationally because I'm thinking, okay, these are things that I find 
curious in the quote, but I don't have a, a, an outline to rely on in the same way. So I'm in the conversation differently than I typically would be. And I don't know if I'll love that, but I love changing it up and I love seeing how I can get more engaged in the conversation. So it's just finding mm. your sweet spot, constantly tweaking things. And then I think segments, you mentioned that Walt, great idea there too. That's an easy way. If you found a rhythm, but you want to try something new, add a segment and that might force you to, to rethink things or, or find a new fresh angle. You know, I have, um, one, I guess, podcasting tip that I learned from being an insurance sales. Um, so the insurance company, I worked with them very shortly was not a great experience, but I learned a lot from them, learned a lot. And, um, one thing they had every new agent do was had they, they gave us a script to go through this entire insurance presentation. And they really wanted us to say it verbatim, word from word. The script sucked, to be honest. <laughs> um, but I really had to memorize the whole thing to pass their test. Um, and I couldn't do it. Like my whole life, I always thought like if I ever got to be an actor, I wouldn't be able to go off script. I'd have to ad lib everything because I'm not going to remember word from word. But um, what I learned was to... Um, write down bullet points, not the full sentence, not the full script, but bullet points of each point I want to make. And as I'm working, I'm memorizing it. The bullet points are really prompts. So that when I'm thinking about what the next thing is, I don't have to think about the, the actual full sentence because deep down I do know it. I just need to remember the prompt, the next prompt in the order. So I use that when it comes to solo episodes or even like the notes for the podcast. I always focus on the prompts making it clear so I can remember it kind of triggers my memory to be able to recite the full question, the full thought, etc. Love it. Well, it's been a great episode. Thanks for everyone who has tuned in and uh, we're trying to bring the news you need to know as a podcaster. Talked a lot about video today, but that's good because we need to be thinking about it. We talked about how we can be more relevant on LinkedIn as well and different content types, which I think is important for us. And then again, go check out Gross Marketing Camp and uh, maybe reach out to Walter I on uh, Instagram and, or on uh, LinkedIn as well and uh, tell us how you're doing your outline for your show. I would love to hear, uh, even in our LinkedIn group, different ways that you build an outline and uh, how, you, how that maybe has evolved for you as you've been a host. We appreciate you listening. Walt, Thanks for being here, man. Yes, thanks for bringing me back. <laughs> All right, everybody. Have a great week. We'll be back next week with another episode. Bye.